June 22nd, 2013. I, Officer Jameson, spotted what I can only describe as a dogman in the middle of a dirt road. It was standing on its hind legs, staring directly at me. This case intrigued me, given the proximity to my home and the fact that this creature has reportedly been sighted by locals since 1995, including my own encounter. I've since engaged with several individuals who claim to have witnessed the creature. Two separate people relayed to me their encounters with the dogmen in the Kempler area, located just off of U-75 between Crum and Sanger in Texas and Cotton, Oklahoma. In my discussions with several residents of the area, including a former police officer, it became apparent that this creature has been spotted numerous times over the years. My first exposure to this phenomenon came from a local government official of a nearby town who wished to remain anonymous. He shared with me that his family members living in Kempner had relayed their encounters with the dogman, including multiple instances of the creature chasing deer. Further investigation led me back to my own 1995 sighting of the peculiar creature. I also came across recent cell phone images captured by an Oklahoma construction worker. These images reveal an animal standing upright, like a human, near the I-35 between Durant and Gainesville, heading into Texas. My encounter and the compelling evidence I had gathered prompted me to reach out to other officials specializing in cryptozoology. We reached a consensus that this creature could indeed be a dogman. We also considered it may be the same creature reported to be preying on livestock in southern Oklahoma near Lawton, dating back decades. We even hypothesized that this creature might be responsible for the killing and partial consumption of two calves in northern Fannin County back in 2011, and a horse in Cole County near Bromide in 2013. This was following a sighting by a school bus driver on Highway 69 east of Tishomingo, who also reported finding tracks in the vicinity. I've gathered more recent encounter stories from locals, including a family who shared their potential Sasquatch encounters near their home. Armed with this information, my partner and I are gearing up to investigate the area further and search for possible denning sites. Wish me luck. This happened back in February, and I just want to know what I heard. My boyfriend and I and a couple of friends decided to try winter camping and threw together a quick camping trip. We got to the park late and ended up camping two miles into the park directly on the trail. Everyone else fell asleep quickly, and I stayed up. I'm already weary of the woods, and I didn't love that nobody put their food up. This is in the Appalachian Mountains, and I wasn't crazy about waking up to a black bear looking for food. Approximately around midnight, I heard what sounded exactly like the Nazgul screams from the Lord of the Rings movies. It sounded like one scream, and then others joined in until it was one very loud scream from many voices then died off. It made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I immediately woke up my boyfriend and begged him to stay up with me all night. He thinks I heard coyotes, but I have never in my life heard coyotes make that sound, and also he didn't hear the screaming. We weren't near any towns, it sounded like it was on the top of the mountains where it's all woods, and we were camped at the base. 
The only thing I can think of is sirens, but I've never heard sirens like that, and I don't see why there would be multiple, and it sounded too animal-like. It also wasn't an elk. We don't have them in our area, and even if we did it didn't sound like the elk audio recordings I listened to. I was riding my horse above a friend's place, looking for an old mine that was supposed to be up there. There were no trails, so I made my way through the trees and using deer trail. I was making one last look-see before heading back down, following a deer trail, and suddenly the same time my horse stopped, snorting and spooked, smelled this god-awful smell. The horse would not take another step forward and kept trying to turn away and head down the mountain. I gave him his lead and kept looking back. The hair was standing on the back of my neck. We went down about 50 yards. I got off and looked hard up where we had come from. I didn't see anything but just got this feeling. Something was watching me as much as I was looking up. I got back on the horse and we headed back to my friend's ranch. When I got there, I told him what happened. He never experienced anything like that but he said he had heard some strange noises on occasion. At the time, I wasn't much of a believer in Bigfoot, but since then I've done a lot of research and have become a full believer in the Sasquatch and have spent some time in the woods looking for tracks and or to sight one myself. I went back up there the next day and tied my horse, walked up past where we had stopped. I didn't find any tracks as the ground was dry and hard and had plenty of undergrowth but there were signs that something had passed through there. I have hunted and camped these mountains in southern Oregon for over 25 years and been a hunter all my life. Sometimes with a camera, sometimes with a gun. Now that I'm sort of retired, I am going on the hunt for Bigfoot myself. This is one mystery we need to define with absolute proof, one way or another. When I was 18, 2005, my mom was giving me a ride to work. My car had got impounded for something stupid, and I had to wait 30 days to get it back. In the meantime, my mom was giving me rides to work. On Saturdays, I worked morning shift, so I had to be at work by 5 a.m. That means we had to leave the house no later than 4.30. It was still dark outside like pitch black and very cold. That morning as my mom drive me to work, from a distance I could see a figure getting ready to cross the road basically jaywalk in front of us. As we got closer I can see it was a young girl. I thought to myself damn caught her doing the walk of shame law. She had no shoes, a long white shirt like if she was wearing a man's white tee. It was big on her, it looked like she had no pants on. But you could barely see she had these short jean shorts under her large shirt, like the kind that used to be pants, but she cut herself to make shorts. She wasn't wearing shoes. My mom started talking shit in Spanish like what kind of girl walks around the streets at this hour dressed like that. She was walking now in the middle of the street super slow to the point my mom had to stop like 10 feet away from her because she was still in the street now blocking us. When my, my mom stopped the girl came to a complete stop but wasn't facing us it was facing in the direction. It was crossing crossing from my right to left 
As we now were close, I could see her skin was a real bluish gray. Her hair was black. It looked wet and tangled like she just got out the shower. My mom was about to honk at her when she slowly turns her head to look right at us. Her hair was covering her face. She looked like the girl from the ring. The part that I'll never forget was that she moved her hair out the way, and she had no face, like nothing. It was just all smooth, like slender man, no eyes, no mouth, no nose. It just looked smooth. My mom started to have a panic attack. I literally felt my heart drop. I now was focused on calming my mom down. The girl looked at us for like two, three seconds, then took off running. It didn't move at irregular speeds, but now it was active. I never saw anything like that in my life. Till this day, my mom and I can't explain what that was. I guess I was sharing my story in hopes that maybe someone else has seen something similar. Something with no face. I was with Outward Bound in Utah for three weeks. Majority of the three weeks you are with the group, but for one, two days you go on a solo, or whatever they call it. They give you enough gear and food and plant you in the spot. You're not opposed to leave for any reason. If you have a problem, you blow the safety whistle and someone will come. We were pretty much just out of line of sight from each other in the group. So I get to my spot, set up shop, and walk around my area a little bit. I then find the mangled and decayed husk of an elk, not 50 feet from my sleeping bag. It had been there for a month or two, and there was barely any meat left on it, so the smell wasn't that bad. It was very clear that something had been eating the elk. The skull was three feet away from its spine. The legs were gone and the ribcage was smashed. There aren't too many things in the wild that can do this. It could have been a black bear, but they are skittish and I could just yell at it, and it would go away. Brown bear. If it was hungry, I would be in some serious shit. Coyotes. Not that threatening because I am not a small dog or cat. Wolves. Least likely as I don't think there are many left in Utah. Mountain lion. F me sideways if it decides to come back. Most carnivores don't want to travel great distances to hunt for food, so they stay close to their food supply. Most importantly, they don't haul the catch of the day back to the wife and kids. To my knowledge, only few animals do this. So if you find a kill of a carnivore, you are probably not too far where they live. Now sleep tight, alone, in the darkness, knowing that the animal that killed the elk isn't that far away from you. While you sleep, Alone. Defenseless. I grew up in the concrete jungle of Brooklyn, a place where buildings scraped the sky and cars filled the streets. My eyes had only known the grays and blues of concrete and steel, the occasional splashes of green in city parks, and the vibrant diversity of urban life. The sight of an actual forest, a densely wooded area filled with trees was alien to me. When I was a young teen, a friend decided to introduce me to the more natural side of Brooklyn, the trails and Prospect Park. We ventured away from the hustle and bustle of the city and into the serene woodland trails. The sheer contrast was unsettling, if not terrifying. 
The silence was an unfamiliar melody, a far cry from the incessant city noise. The towering trees cast long, menacing shadows, making the woodland seem eerily dark and haunted. Just as I was coming to terms with the uncanny surroundings, something caught my eye that sent a chill down my spine. A white face, a girl's face, peered out from a thicket of bushes. Her eyes were wide and vacant, her mouth open in what looked like a silent scream. It was as if she was frozen in the throes of absolute terror. Instantly, all the horror stories I had heard about deserted woods flooded my mind. My heart pounded against my chest as thoughts of the worst scenarios crossed my mind had a psycho serial killer dumped a victim's body here. I stood petrified, my breath held as I tried to process the sight. It took me a good 30 seconds to realize the truth. The girl's face belonged to an inflatable sex doll, oddly discarded in the bushes. It was a bizarre sight, and though it was far from the gruesome scenario I had imagined, it still added a strange twist to my first experience with the woods. I'm a hunter of wildlife photographs. Was hiking in some thick rainforest when I heard some rustling some distance away. Not loud rustling, just like something small was moving in the branches. This sound was coming from a spot that was between me and the road and the approach is only a three-four foot wide path and thick cover on either side. I thought it was probably monkeys, but felt it would be better if I left. So I started retracing my steps, turned the last bend in the path, and now it was the home stretch. Maybe thirty more steps to the safety of the road. But there, looming right before me, within touching distance, was a bull elephant looking straight at me. Lone bull elephants have a bad reputation in India. I thought I was a goner. Life flashed before my eyes, etc. He was probably puzzled too, and showed his displeasure. He stomped his foot, swayed his head from side to side, groaned and crashed away through the trees on his left. I don't know why I was spared that day. Next day, in a completely different part of the forest, I was sitting under a tree, catching my breath. The forest here wasn't so thick, so I could see around me. And whoosh, another bull elephant, but this one somehow, can't explain, somehow didn't give me bad vibes. He appeared from 10 o'clock direction, approached to about 20-30 feet away, and then lost interest in me, and proceeded to take his lunch. We spent about 10 minutes together, my heart was busting, but somehow my brain was calm and I knew nothing bad was going to happen. Nothing did. He finished eating and left. I never went into the forest alone after that. This happened when I was 16, almost 10 years ago. Me and my friend were driving around on one of our nighttime adventures. We loved just driving around the city at night and just talking. We were on a pretty busy road. We noticed that off the side of this road was a sudden dirt road that led off into the woods. It interested us, and this was what we considered an adventure, so what the hell, we turned on to it. This was a zone of the creepiest roads I have ever seen. Pitch black, no lights, no cell phone reception. 
surrounded by thick woods, trees filled with cobwebs, and there were clothes thrown around everywhere. You wouldn't think that you were in the middle of a city. It was weird from the start. As we're driving down the road, there's this small cliff with large, strange black sculptures on top of it. One was a giant cube, balancing on one corner, that looked like it had faces carved into it. Another was more two-dimensional, about twelve or so feet tall with no features, but kind of looked like a twisted human with missing limbs. This small cliff had a gravel road next to it. We drove up it, and there's a large metal building with multiple rusted metal doors. Those kind you pull up to open. I immediately looked at my friend and said, This is a weird as shit building. I wonder why it's here. She said, I don't know, but we need to leave now. This feels bad, and there's cameras everywhere. She pointed them out, and sure enough, there were cameras literally embedded into the trees. You could see the lenses sticking out of the trunks. We pulled up just a little bit to turn around. We parked right there on the side of the road, once we got off the gravel one. We were debating on whether it was safe to get out and take some pictures. Just as we figured it was best to come back in the morning. Suddenly, about five dudes appeared out of nowhere. They had the car surrounded and were screaming and beating on the car and windows. I'm not sure what they were yelling about. I heard one of them mention something about a basement. I thought he said, you drove over our basement. As we're looking around and at each other like, what the F is going on and what do we do? The dude in front of us picks up a massive rock and looks like he's getting ready to chuck it through the windshield. She throws the car into reverse and floors it. This road is narrow, so she practically drives in reverse the whole way down, and we hit the main road and begin driving down it. I'll never forget as I turned around and watched a green pickup truck with blue headlights peel out onto the road off that street. I turned to her and yelled, Dude, they're following us. We drove through all sorts of places, gas station parking lots, back roads. This truck followed us through every single one. After about 20 minutes, her instinct was to go home. I knew better. I told her if someone is chasing you in a car, never go home. We don't want them knowing where you live. I told her to drive until she lost them or go to the police station. She didn't want me to call the police or to really even have to deal with the police yet. So we kept driving, driving fast and taking as many turns as possible. Eventually we entered the highway and just kept driving on it. We finally lost them in between all the cars and got off on an exit. They kept driving straight. They chased us for almost two hours. It was insane. We would talk about it every now and then, wondering what that place was or what they wanted. We'd also bring up the basement thing and wonder if that's what they said. And if so, who's stupid enough to build a basement underneath a driveway? Or what kind of psychopath has a secret basement in the middle of the woods? Sometimes we'd contemplate going back, but quickly decide it was a stupid idea. Never been back since. But ten years later, I'm still curious about the place. Here's what happened. 
I was at work one day when my co-worker started talking about a strange creature he had seen. Curiosity peaked. I asked him to describe the creature in detail. As he told me about it, I couldn't help but think it sounded familiar. I pulled up a picture of the Mothman on my phone and showed it to him, asking if the creature he saw looked anything like that. To my surprise, he said it did. Intrigued, I asked him to contact his friends who had been with him during the sighting and show them the picture as well. They all separately confirmed that what they saw looked exactly like the Mothman. My co-worker then recounted the entire story. Two years ago, in the city of Wilmington, California, near a massive ARCO refinery, my co-worker and three of his friends were hanging out in his backyard at around 2 a.m. One of them happened to look up and spotted a winged creature flying above them. He said it didn't do anything out of the ordinary, but it circled their group about five times before heading north toward the city of Torrance, where the Los Angeles International Airport is located. He added that they saw the creature again later that night, at around 4.35 a.m. This time, it repeated its circling behavior, but only went around them two or three times before flying off towards the city of Long Beach. They never saw the creature again after that. My co-worker then mentioned that he thought he might have seen the Mothman again a week later, but he wasn't entirely sure, so he didn't provide any further details. The story left me feeling both fascinated and uneasy. The Mothman, a creature of urban legend, had always been something I read about but never truly believed in. However, hearing my co-worker's account and the corroborations from his friends, I couldn't help but wonder if there was some truth to the legend. What was this winged creature that had appeared in Wilmington, and why was it circling my co-worker and his friends? I found myself looking up into the sky more often, scanning the horizon for any sign of the mysterious creature. The possibility that the Mothman was real sent a shiver down my spine, and I couldn't help but feel that the world was filled with more mysteries than I could ever truly comprehend. I want to share my story. Approximately five years ago, I was driving home from my job as a correctional officer at Cook County Jail in Chicago, Illinois. My shift ended at 11 p.m., and it took me approximately 35-45 minutes to drive home from work. As I always did, I would call my wife and let her know I was safe from my shift, and typically she would keep me company on my Bluetooth while I drove home. Every night when I drove home, I took Midlothian Turnpike, a few blocks out the exit of the expressway. Midlothian Turnpike will also lead you to the location of Bachelors Grove Cemetery. Please research Bachelors Grove Cemetery. As I drove past Bachelors Grove Cemetery, a figure which I can only describe as a pterodactyl flew over across my car and across the road into the woods on the other side of the street. I screamed as I thought I was going to hit something. My wife is still on the phone, now yelling, asking me what is going on, and if I was okay. I had to get my bearings together, but I was so scared. I thought about stopping at the gas station ahead, but I knew I was close to home. When I got home, we got a good laugh about it. Two days ago, I told this story to my boss. 
He asked if I knew what what Mothman was. I heard of it, but wasn't familiar on its stories. When I look back now, many things happened that I believe may have been a result of my encounter. I probably won't talk about this again as I don't expect anyone to believe me, and I don't want to feed it any energy to come back. Thank you for being open-minded. If any of here would like to know more or know someone who may want this info, please message me here. The legend of the Skinwalker has always sent shivers down my spine. As a member of the Algonquin tribes, it's a tale I've heard countless times. It speaks of a sinister entity that can take the form of any creature it desires. It's said to be an evil witch, punished for using forbidden magic and doomed to roam the earth, sowing discord and feeding on fear. In our tribe, the Skinwalker and the Wendigo are often spoken of in the same breath. Both are embodiments of our darkest fears. The Wendigo, a creature born of insatiable greed and cannibalism, is a grim reminder of the dangers of letting our desires overcome us. Despite the passing of generations, the terror these entities evoke remains ever-present, a shadow cast upon our people, especially when venturing into the vast, untamed wilderness of our ancestral lands. Not long ago, a group of ten friends, outsiders all of them, decided to camp in these very woods. They crossed paths with me on their way. I noticed their excitement, their laughter echoing through the trees, a stark contrast to the quiet reverence we natives held for this land. I felt it was my duty to warn them about the legends, about the Skinwalker and Windigo that lurked in our folklore. Their response was nothing short of mockery. They laughed it off, joking about these fairy tales, their voices filled with youthful arrogance. I watched them go, a sinking feeling in my heart. Their first night was filled with joy, but as the days passed, their laughter faded, replaced by an eerie silence. The tranquil forest began to whisper tales of terror. They reported strange noises, horrifying visions, and an unsettling feeling of being watched. Then, one by one, they began to disappear. Despite the growing fear, they refused to leave, their pride blinding them to the direness of their situation. One night, after the last embers of their campfire had died out, they all vanished. It was I who found their abandoned campsite. Tents torn apart, their belongings scattered haphazardly, and a chilling silence hanging in the air. Search parties were formed, and after days of combing the forest, we found them. Their lifeless bodies were a grim testament to their hubris. The legend of the Skinwalker and the Windigo is not just a story. It's a warning, a lesson about respect and humility. These friends learned it too late. Their fate serves as a chilling reminder to all who dare to venture into these woods, ignorant and dismissive of the ancient spirits that dwell within. So my town is surrounded by a creek. A few blocks away is a cliff. I walked to the cliff and began exploring in the woods. I was only 12 at the time and alone by the way I'm a girl. Basically I was extra vulnerable. I was climbing down rocks taking pictures making my way to the large creek below. I found a waterfall with a pipe over it so I crawled on the pipe walking over the waterfall. 
I noticed graffiti and beer cans, so I knew people had previously been there. I felt safe and comfortable. It was bright as day, so I had no worries. I also found a cement hut in the middle of the woods which was creepy. I was making my way out when I decided that I wanted to take some more photos of the forest. So I went under this huge rock to take more photos when all of a sudden it sounded like people yelping I got a little scared but continued to take pictures. I crawled across the pipe over the waterfall again to get pictures. This pipe was about 15 feet above the waterfall. But if I fell onto the waterfall, I would have fell another 5 feet and probably drowned. So what I was doing was really risky. No one would have been there to help me. As I was taking a video of the waterfall while standing on the pipe, I hear two men making their way over to my location. I got so scared I almost shit my pants. Then one of them yells, who the F is that? My 12-year-old little bitch ass ran so fast out of those woods, you couldn't even imagine the problem was I had to make my way up over huge rocks. I was getting so tired and nervous I could barely breath. Once I was out of the woods, I still had to run three, four blocks home. When I got home, I drank half a glass of juice. Almost made myself throw up. Never going in the woods again. It was back in the early summer of 1991, mid-June or perhaps early July, that something truly strange happened on my family's 300-acre property, located about a mile north of Cape Perpetua, near the coast of Yahats, Oregon. I was driving down our private access road. There were some hikers further ahead, enjoying the tranquility of the dense woods surrounding us. That tranquility was abruptly shattered when a massive creature darted across the road in front of them, disappearing into the underbrush as quickly as it had appeared. I can still remember how the sight of it took my breath away. It was enormous, about nine feet tall, covered in long brown hair. But what was most astounding was the speed at which it moved. One moment it was there, standing in stark contrast to the lush green of the forest, and in the blink of an eye, it was gone, swallowed by the foliage. No sound accompanied its passage, no rustling of the leaves, no crackling of the twigs beneath its weight, and there was no distinctive odor that lingered in its wake. The creature left behind a single blurred footprint. I didn't bother to measure it. The details of the print were far too vague to make out any useful information. But the sight of it, so striking in its alien quality, cemented the reality of what I'd just witnessed. The sighting occurred in the late afternoon, around 4 p.m., with plenty of summer daylight left. At my nearby trailer, I kept four dogs, all chained to prevent them from wandering off into the wilderness. Despite their keen senses, they'd shown no signs of being disturbed by any unusual presence in the forest. Intrigued and more than a little unnerved, my father, and I decided to explore the area where the creature had vanished. There, deep within the forest, we discovered a small pile of oyster shells. They didn't seem old enough to be remnants of an old Indian shell mound, despite those being common in coastal areas. Confused and fascinated, I decided to share my experience with a friend of mine, a park ranger named Tim. He was a seasoned man someone who had spent years patrolling the dense woods 
and had seen more than his share of wildlife. Despite being initially skeptical, Tim listened to my story and agreed to investigate the unusual find of oyster shells. I'm not sure what I expected him to say. Maybe I hoped he would confirm my suspicion about having seen Bigfoot, or perhaps dismiss it as an encounter with a rogue bear. But Tim, with his calm demeanor and sharp eyes, simply stated, The woods hold more secrets than we can fathom, Steve. We might never know what truly happened here, but that's okay. It's part of the magic. That encounter left me with a profound sense of Back in August of 2000, I witnessed something I still struggle to believe. I'm Jason Schaefer, a detective, and I'm about to share a peculiar encounter I had around 1.53 a.m. during a pursuit of three suspicious men in a vehicle. Blocking my path in the middle of the road was an eight to nine foot tall upright figure. I slammed on the brakes and stepped out of my car needing to reassure myself that I wasn't seeing things. As soon as I did, the creature bolted, probably at a speed of 40 to 50 miles an hour, and was clear across the highway in a blink. For more than half an hour after this encounter, I couldn't stop my hands from shaking so much that I couldn't even hold a cup of coffee. That location has been off my travel routes ever since. Many speculate that the entity I saw was some form of Bigfoot, but given the lack of other reported sightings at the time, I can't definitively say that's what it was. However, I've heard numerous accounts of what's being termed shadow people around the Atlanta area. This leads me to believe that many folks aren't reporting their encounters due to fear of ridicule or humiliation. Some may not even recognize the existence of these entities. I'm convinced there are countless people who've experienced paranormal phenomena without realizing it, due to a lack of prior knowledge about these occurrences. That's the reason I'm sharing my story here. Feel free to share my experience with your friends and family, but I urge you to keep an open mind. Thanks for taking the time to read about my encounter. My mom has worked at a small, rural hospital for about six years now. She is the ER receptionist, so she is the first person you see when you come into the emergency room, the one to give you all the paperwork to fill out and such. Throughout these six years, she worked mostly nights, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., and has seen quite the cast of characters the town has to offer. Every transient, druggy and local has passed through that lobby, and she has seen each one at least twice. But one night, she encountered something she had never seen before or again since. Back in the first year, my mom was quick to get the hang of things, so she was left alone to work the counter. The ER faced the parking lot, so she could see people coming in from far away and anticipate their moves. One night, at about 2 a.m., she was working on her computer, looked up, and was surprised to see two people standing there. A man and a woman, just standing there, staring at her, and she stared back. The parking lot was dark, no car in sight, and they just appeared. After a long moment, they came into the lobby and went right up to the desk. 
My mom said the alarm bells started going off in her head that something wasn't right. For one thing, they were very tall. The desk my mom sat at would come up mid-chest to an average person. With these people, my mom could see the pelvic bone of the woman. They were dressed for hot weather, because it was summer. They were also very skinny, and my mom emphasized this, very dry looking. But they didn't look like your typical druggies. The woman kept stroking her neck with long fingers, saying she had a sore throat. My mom, for the first and only time, didn't say a word. She just looked at them. A word kept repeating in her head, Stregoy. As my mom looked at them, the woman looked to the man, looked back at my mom, then to the man again, the whole time just smiling and stroking her throat, and said to the man, Do you think she will let us through, or should we go somewhere else? My mom stayed silent as the woman repeated the pattern of looks, then they both smiled at my mom and left. Almost after, my mom texted me, asking if vampires needed permission to enter places like hospitals. I told her, since she was technically the person to say who went back to the ER, they would need her permission. We both knew that Stregoi was a type of Romanian vampire mythos, and that was the word she kept hearing in her mind. She has never seen that couple again, and we still talk about what happened, and it does make me wonder when I hear about stories of black-eyed children and other tales of vampires. What did she see that night? And how close was she to something? Unreal. There's something unnerving about finding unexplained photos on your phone, even more so when they appear to have been taken in the dead of night while you're sleeping. It started with the update to iCloud. I noticed a picture I didn't remember taking. The timestamp was 1.58 a.m., a time when I was sound asleep. The photo was mundane, unremarkable, and slightly blurred. It captured the garbage can near my bed, a half-empty bottle of liquor, and the edge of the fan whirring softly in the corner. Just an ordinary, cluttered snapshot. I might have shrugged it off as a glitch or an accidental click if it wasn't for the second photograph that popped up moments later. This one was marked 1.59 a.m. What struck me as odd was that there was no visual data. The screen was pitch black, void of any identifiable elements. It wasn't a photo, but an audio recording. The recording was flagged as being five seconds long, but it seemed to extend inexplicably to around 10-15 seconds when I played it. The sound was eerie. It was like the rustling of dried leaves, suggestive of someone or something walking in the woods followed by intermittent bangs and a strange distortion. The kind of distortion that made your skin prickle and your mind conjure up images of shadowy figures lurking in the woods. I've never been one to scare easily, but the whole thing was unnerving, to say the least. A creeping sense of unease had started to settle in, and I couldn't help but feel like I was being watched. The sensation was heightened when a cabinet in my house swung open on its own yesterday, creaking loudly in the silence of my kitchen. The normally comforting familiarity of my home seemed to have been replaced by a sense of intrusion. I've been trying to rationalize it all, coming up with logical explanations. 
Perhaps I sleepwalked and somehow managed to operate my phone. But the audio recording didn't fit with this theory. I live in the city. There are no woods around for miles. The inexplicable extension of the clip's duration added another layer of mystery to it all. I'm not scared, not exactly. But there's a sense of disturbance, a feeling of an unseen presence. And as much as I want to ignore it, to brush it off as my imagination running wild, I can't help but admit that I'm getting more and more creeped out. This is a mystery I need to unravel, and soon.